It's always good when Crafter comes on and I'm feeling a little bit fatigued. Because I'm going to shut up and just leave. Yeah, I was the same. Today I was like, Does that mean under the weather or? Just fatigued. It's been a long festive period. We're a week in to 2024. (laughs) He's already had New Year's. You stood in the New Year, New Me category where you just amped. Well, I had a big New Year's and then two days later it's my birthday. So I went went back to back kind of thing. Growing growing up, did you get, did your parents just? Like screw you on presents and just give you one at Christmas. No, nah, they were pretty good. They were pretty so you good. got like you got doubled up on like major presents. Yeah, but you say double up. I just got the normal amount. They were just really close to one another. Yeah, but normally, like in your when you're like fourteen or something, mm. your parents are like really buying you. You shit. know what it was a good argument for is that all right, mum, dad, buy me something like fully sick, and yeah. you don't have to do both. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, true. Merge the two. Yeah, yeah. merge it. Yeah, because. Well, Jonah and my mate Mark are born on New Year's Day. Oh, that's a brutal one. Yeah, so it's like I remember years and years ago my my mate was like, because obviously Jonah doesn't drink, but my mate Mark drank excessively, <laughs> and he was like, I've never been sober on my birthday. Like, well, like from when he was young, you know, but like you get home at fucking six, seven in the morning or whatever and sleep all day and you've missed your whole birthday. Mm. Yeah, but that <laughs> countdown would be fucking nuts. Oh, the countdown, yeah. Like, yeah, because it's like happy birthday. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I used to remember it when we were younger. <laughs> so how's things in the going to going to uh, your friend's kid's birthdays now <laughs> as adult men? Mate, and as I was saying before to you, is I can't go to certain things now because my child's too old. And she, um, she's at this very, uh, it's not rebellious stage, but I've literally stopped being cool. Mm. And yeah. that's another balance that I need to work out. It's like you have to work out how to be this person's, like this little person's like person they look up to, um, support network, friend, father, all these things. And now it's like, oh, we're enemies, are we? <laughs> You're like, I'm not cool anymore. It's like well, she had to open the open day or whatever the day is we'll start go to high school for the the trial day whatever that's called so i've got thing and it's like oh just drop me down the road i'm like oh okay like i'm you know i'm pretty cool you know like, <laughs> so, yeah, she turned into the butterfly yeah so now i'm just struggling to exist did you notice like a day that 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 started happening and you're like oh okay this dynamic change was it like a kind of a gradual process i reckon when we came back from europe yeah when we came back from europe it all just it literally went from being like let's get this toy or let's get this to i'm going to mecca like Mm. it's literally like that it's like i want to go to kmart and buy face masks i want to buy this this and this and then it used to be like, oh, I want to go look in the toy section. Now it's like she's in the makeup section or she's buying hair stuff. And She doesn't yeah. have a hope, man. Like the, the, the marketing for that stuff oh. is crazy. Have you ever looked at – like I used to look at my ex-girlfriends and like we'd be sitting there on the couch just scrolling Instagram and she'd be showing me stuff and I was like, is this your feed? Mm. It's just women trying out different makeup products yeah. and skincare routines and you have no concept whether they're going to work for you. It's a complete fabrication oh, yeah. that's being sold to you, but you need to be like, if I don't do that, I'm no one's going to care about me. It's like you got filters, chill. Yeah, well, that's that's. I think that's how the TikTok thing is for young kids. Is they're like, it went from being like, 
happy to wear Kmart to now it's like, I want these Nikes, I want White Fox, I want all these brands. And I'm like, oh, like you could have been housing school law as well. Yeah, I think it would have. And I definitely knew I had Nikes and certain things. Like I wanted Reebok pumps and stuff like that. So I was definitely, I was an impressionable child, but I didn't have, when you're in a country town, you don't, you see what other people have on, you don't see it on your feed. Yeah. Like that's the thing. You're not looking at your feed going, those Air Force Ones are sick. Because that didn't exist for us. It was, oh, bloody Dazza at school just got Air Force Ones and I want them too. Or you, like Air Max 90s or whatever. You're directly influenced by your immediate community. Mm. And I think that was <clears> like, <throat> it's like what's worse really? Like you're Because if you grew up in a shitty place, mm. then you're sort of destined in those days to at least- To look like a lad. To, to have to go that way. Mm. Whereas now maybe there's a wider- thing because you can you're on your phone more mm. than you're interacting with people so maybe it is causing more like individuality between people mm. in on, on like a global level yeah because you like look at now like how kids dress and like obviously there's the full lad look but that existed when we were kids that were just I, I don't think it was like as uh those kinds of kids existed, but now it's like it's a set fashion. Like it's like they have a set outfit. They all look exactly the same. We all had those kids at school. They were just the kids that were fucking in trouble all the time. Yeah. Like I, there was plenty of kids like that in my school. They dressed very similar. They just didn't look like a fucking tennis instructor. So it's pretty crazy. That's the bogan look now as well. It's like, yeah. do you remember when you did when you grew up in Adelaide, right? Mm. Me and you were in Perth. Do you remember when people? I assume it was probably the same in Adelaide, but when you had like, it was the surfs and the rappers. That was like when I was growing up. So it was like kids liked rap music and wore like cross colors. Yeah. And then kids that like surfing and wore billabong and stuff. And then you had, as I was kind of getting into late high school, that shabby look really came along. Mm. But everyone would wear their hats like pointed f forward it was mm -hmm. like up on the back of their head mm -hmm. and like kind of covering their eyes a little bit and that was i reckon that was a hard, Perth thing it was such I don't, a hard I don't recall that because i remember like there being like the what we just would call the homies which were like big pants and rap music and whatever then there was like all the surfer kind of dudes who are into punk music and skateboarding and surfing and whatnot and then there was like another thing where it was like the goss and like at the time, Slipknot was obviously still a big band, but Slipknot was like the breakthrough band or Korn was the breakthrough band. All those bands were kind of existing through high school and that was like a look in itself. So there wasn't like too many demographics, but there's probably kids are bloody – there's 50 things you can fucking identify as. Yeah. So I think that's like, kind of cool though. I was trying to think of it from a different perspective a while ago because I went and watched a music festival and it was, I saw there was like – groups of people that all looked completely different but were making up one group mm. and i was like oh that's kind of cool because i'd assumed it would be more segregated because when i was going to like the big day out when i was younger it was like chavs yeah sort of surfy semi indie dudes and then people that were it wasn't even goths it was like just people who were into prodigy and stuff mm, yeah that had like yeah. Of piercings and stuff. Jonah. Marilyn Manson was a big part of that. Fucking shit. Jonah. That's exactly yeah, what he Jonah was like would, Yeah, Jonah would have fit he, into he that. He was that guy at school. Like, he was a bit too strange for me for the first couple of years. And then we became <laughs> friends and in a band together. But 
it's crazy because the way I watch my child develop and uh, her own dress sense and whatever, and I've, I was pondering this thing where like all these things have, have happened, but a big thing for me was Santa wasn't talked about as much and she did not give a fuck about the elf on the shelf. So I've put this fucking elf around like a bloody weirdo, like walking around at night trying to find the ultimate spot for it and it do stupid things. And she'll walk out and she'll be like, blah, 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 what are we doing today or something? And I'll be like, fucking elf's over there, like does not give a shit. And it's like, so I was thinking about it as a, as a parent and parent, like people, I think they often overlook this. You only get a certain amount of years to be Santa Claus, move the fucking elf on the shelf around, have those mornings which are a bit more exciting because they think Santa's come and so forth. Like Christmas was still fucking good this year, but you only get maybe nine, 10, 11 years at best to be that role as well. So your child's growing up so much that like, Although Christmas is an important time of year, it's not as special as the excitement of a child that thinks this, like that Santa's come and de- delivered all this stuff and it's a reindeer's eight and a half a fucking carrot and all these things. And like now it's like, well, she was at Candace's the night before anyway, but I don't think it was as prevalent as it was last year. And spoiler alert for anyone, Santa's not real. But we won't. <laughs> don't think that kids are going to listen man. to this. I think maybe you intrinsically knew that though, because I mean, we spoke last time, and obviously, see it's social media and shit. It's like you go on these European trips, and you took it to America and stuff like that. It's like you got to do that before they grow up to a point where they, it's not cool. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah. it's like even though that's you kind of already knew, you always knew it was yeah. going to go that way, but it would be hard, I imagine accepting that in mm. as it's as it's happening and you know you know what i, I think and I, I notice this of people that don't make an awful lot of effort with their children is well, i've always wondered do they get to a point where like i'm at kind of now and go well I've, I've missed the fucking boat like i know that like for me i've done so much with her and been such a like I like to think of obviously a pivotal role because I'm her father, but we've got to go to all these places. We've got to experience all this stuff. Well, I remember all that shit as a kid. I remember I didn't necessarily get to go overseas, but I remember going on the the camping trips and all these things with my parents, which like stands very as massive memories of my childhood being fucking great. I hopefully for her, um, she sees it exactly the same because we've got to go to Europe. We just got back from Thailand. We, went to Fiji, we've done all these bits and pieces, but it's also about experience for her because I love to travel. I'm missing a big fact of my life where I'm not in a touring band anymore. So now it's like, let's let's just adventure as much as we can because it's a small window. And I said to her recently, I said, um, do you want to do anything or do you want to go anywhere in these holidays? And she goes, no, I just want to be home for once because I start high school. And I was like, that's, that's sweet because for me, I, I – at the drop of a hat for me, it was always like, oh, I'm going to go to Byron Bay or I'm going to fly here or I'm going to the States or all these things when I was younger. And now that I'm a business is good and it, it, it kind of can self-sustain itself as far as like run itself and artists look after their own bookings and so forth. But for this time of thing, she's like, I've got high school coming up, kind of it's a big deal and we can have that bit more of an adult conversation and she's like just quite ready to 
that next chapter in her life. I'm not as ready because it's like hectic. Like uh, she's 11 years old. She's going to be in high school. It's fucking nuts. Those experiences that you have when you're that age though, when you're giving them to her now, it's almost like a delayed response because she won't really look back on those as fondly as we would now until oh, yeah. she's much older. Yeah. So you kind of got to do it for no reward now yeah. and just understand that they might not seem the most grateful or oh, yeah. they might not take it all in. But later on down the track, you know that she'll look back and be like, fuck yeah. Well, and the the, the reward thing is the experience itself with the, the like for, for yourself because you fucking die and you got nothing. Like you die with none of your fucking assets. You die with anything. All you die with is in your final days is probably the memories that you have. And my, my missus, she works at um, an old folks home and she tells me all the stories. Like obviously people, the, the, the dementia and so forth. And it, like makes me often like, we're going to get to that point. Like we're getting old, we're getting older. I'm now 42. Like, in my twenties, I had this crazy life experience where I got to tour and whatever. In my thirties, I was like learning to be a father and and so forth. In my late thirties, I was able to start traveling with her because she was big enough. And then now it's like I'm about to start dealing with not like she's going to be into her teenage years, and then it's another learning curve for me because I'm a dad with a daughter. It's mm. Fucking hectic. <laughs> like it really is. Like sometimes I'm arguing with her and I'm just like, mm, I'm arguing with a little girl version of myself <laughs> who doesn't want to lose this argument. I'm like, I'm going to be the better person. I don't want to. <laughs> and I'm going to go to your room and I'm going to walk away because <laughs> it's like, there's no point sometimes. The, the juice of the winning the battle isn't mm, worth the squeeze. Mm. It's like you're both just going to wear yourselves out and whatever. And it's also like finding that thing of, you can teach your manners and so forth and thing, and then they get to like a point where they're like, "Oh, I'm too. I guess I'm too cool for you, or whatever." And they get a bit defiant, so the attitude is there, and you're like, "Fucking disrespectful little turd," kind of thing. <laughs> but they're just being a fucking kid, nearly a teenager, which I'm sure I was ten times worse. Oh, I was no telling my parents to fuck off and walk out of the house when I was fucking twelve, and like trying to steal their cars and all sorts. Oh, you fucking tell go to my room. Okay, where's your car keys? <laughs> You're not everyone's I'll be, a nightmare. Yeah, I'll age. be doing donuts on the beach in their cars. Like I was like 13 or something. <laughs> At least you weren't on drugs. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I was until I was 15. Oh, really? So yeah. you weren't you weren't edged no. the, the whole way through. No, so, You're not a pure blood. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I'm not I'm not like Jonah. <laughs> yeah. Bring him up again. Um, he he fucking like for a whole childhood. I was still drinking until it's probably 16, I reckon, 15, 16, and then still doing drugs until I was 15 and 16. So, like, obviously meth didn't exist then. Like, it probably did, but it was, like, cheap speed. So yep. everyone was doing cheap speed. You know? dust. Yeah, which is fucking, fucking cut down meth. Like, a pretty, like, same shit. I think they're pretty similar. It's exactly yeah. the same. It's just chopped to fucking... I think fucking some bogan in the shed's probably pouring in fucking creatine and selling it to kids down at Coles. Like, but yeah, I, I definitely had a fair go of certain things. And then a lot of my friends at the time were pretty addicted to speed and stuff. So, and that's also another fucking scary thing as a parent is you're going into high school. There's kids fucking 12, 13 vaping. Like it's fucking, it's nuts. Mm. Like It's crazy, dude. Like we, cause they're all the shops around here and they're just selling them to everyone. They don't give a shit. Mm. The people selling them are underage. Yeah. 
Yeah. <clears throat> that yeah. would be that'd be the hardest thing. Because these the, things are nuts the to try and get off. They're, are, they're insanely hard. It's way more addictive than, than cigarettes. Hard, hard. The laws are toothless as well. I saw uh in the news today actually, the guys who own Up in Smoke. Oh yeah. And they're the ones I've spoken about on here before with the collection of exotic cars. Oh yeah. Those good. boys are making paper. Yeah. They got caught. Um, one of the up in smoke stores in Morley got raided in Coventry Village. They found a whole bunch of vapes in the back, took them to court. You know, they were talking about the fines being 250000 300000 They got done with a $4,000 fine and a slap on the wrist because they said that they were out the back. They weren't actually for sale. They weren't on display. That's what happens when you get money. And good yeah, lawyers. And good lawyers. Yeah. Exactly. But it just shows how toothless the fucking law is here. Like, they can't, it's right there, blatant obvious. Well, the thing is, the cops are walking down the street and they know they're selling them. They don't, 100%. Don't do a fucking thing. No, no, they're loving it, though, because I, I just walked through the malls before and they're just handing out tickets to people that are vaping. Because you really? can't vape in that whole middle oh, section. Oh, oh okay. really? Yeah. So they're just handing out fines, like hand over fist to everyone. Fuck, what's the fine worth? I don't know. I'd assume it would be like 50, 100 bucks. Yeah. Full revenue raise. They're yeah. fucking loving it then. What's the inside scoop from a school's perspective? What are they actually doing about it? I haven't, I, no, because of primary school, they obviously it's not that advanced, but sure. high school, fuck, you want to hope that they're doing something. Mm. But I suppose, like, kids, anything, how do you monitor it? If we wanted to do something, we'd do it. Kids are defined. Yeah, you find a way around it. Yeah, like we were. I remember when I was a kid, we'd get on the fucking bus on a Monday, get get to school, and it was pre-mobile phone to get to school and the fucking sniffer dog gets on the bus. Really? Like, yeah. Dog just goes through everyone's bags, sniffs everyone, <laughs> pulling fucking weed out every second bag. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, we man. never had that. Yeah, and they'd just confiscate it. They wouldn't even do anything. Yeah. It was like you'd nine times out of ten, they'd- not even bother calling your parents. If I reckon if they found a fucking ounce or something, mm. they'd be like, oh, we better call this cunt's moving fucking ounces <laughs> at school. But most of the time they'd just grab it. I remember like I had acid and shit and it couldn't fucking pick it up. We'd have like sheets of acid we were selling when we were like 13, 14. Well, sniffer dogs don't even, and they're certainly not the airport ones, they don't sniff a weed at all. Really? Yeah, I came through because I got a weed prescription because oh, they want now. fucking bigger shit. Mm. Yeah, but also I'm pretty sure like, they can like I got sniffer dog outside one of the clubs once, and the mm. dog went nuts on me. And the the cops were like, "Do you have anything?" And I was like, "No, but I smoked weed like yeah in these clothes." And he's like, "Oh, don't say that." I was like, "See me do it? Like it's <laughs> yeah, not really a big yeah. issue." But yeah, those dogs do for some reason. But the ones mm. at the airport, I came through. I was hanging out with Delby in Melbourne for a few weeks, and I got my script sent there. And I, so I came back on a domestic flight with an ounce of weed in my. Hand luggage. Nothing. Straight through. Yeah, and even think, the dogs and everything. I think because everyone's got scripts now, it makes mm. a fucking makes a difference. It's it may it's funny because if like the, the wearing of the clothes and you're saying it or whatever, and it's like, well, you didn't see me fucking do it. Do you know what I find funny? It's like a completely different scenario. But cunts doing skids on bikes and cars and shit, and they were like pin drop Mexico or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I don't know how much that's going to stand up. God, I can see the street sign. Yeah, it says Malaga. Your phone's getting pinged from seven different fucking yeah. towers. They know where you are. The dude that um, the dude that used to do our clips for us, um, Jake Black Ink, shout out, got engaged today. Yeah, I saw that. Um, Jake. He, when he came on the pod, he'd just been done for doing burnouts on his bike on Snapchat, on uh, Instagram, Instagram, and they took his bike. 
Oh, and then he it. had to fully go to court and everything. To get it back. I think, I believe he got it back. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but he, it was a, he had like a trip with his dad mm. where they were going on like a Australia run mm. and he couldn't get his bike back for it. Fuck. Well, it's, it's fucking funny because I just, um, when did I get my, I got my RE license when I was in my early, no, I got my learners when I was in my early 20s. Then I went and got my RE when I was about 29. I literally just got my full motorbike <laughs> license a couple months ago. And I went and the guy goes, I was at the fucking motor reg and he goes, how long have you had your RA? Oh, hang on. Says 13 years. And he's like, 13 years. You've never thought to go for it. And I said, that was a lot of effort. And he goes, how many fines you had in 13 years? I was like, one, $150. And he's like, that's pretty good odds. And then when I went to get the test, the bloke comes up. He's like, how long you had your RE for and thing? I was like, yeah, this. And I was like, talent, talking about bike stuff when we were fucking riding around. He's like, what bike you got? And I was like, a breakout. And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, is it fast? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's a 160 horsepower. I said fucking turbo and whatever. And he's like cracking up. He's like, do you never get pulled over? I said, nah, man. Like, I don't know why. I don't know how I've gotten away with it for so fucking long. And I literally rode – out of fucking round Cytec, did a lap of fucking like Leaderville and shit and then came back. He's like, yeah, you're sweet. <laughs> and it was like he did the usual shit, fucking braking and fucking stupid turns and shit. Checking no errors. Yeah, no one's ever going to fucking <laughs> do a turn in a car park between two lines. Like it's just dumb. But that's what you do. And then he was just cracking up. He just goes, man, like you could have done this. 10 years ago, 11 years ago, like you got to wait a year and then you can go for it. I said, man, it's a lot of effort. Like, literally, <laughs> I needed to fucking book it in, get a booking, then go pay for something else, then go there, then get the fucking paid, paid for something there. And I'm like, it's cost me more than 150 bucks to do this. It's a ball ache. Yeah. Is I've it been, still, oh, sorry, is it still a riding out of class, no points? Cause no, they, it's no points. No. Yeah, but it's, it, they were threatening for ages to make it like riding unlicensed if mm. you got caught on an R and an RE. Well, the excuse I always – and I, I got I, – I did, I did in time get pulled over a couple of times, but it was always like um, you need to be getting shattered by someone or whatever. I said, oh, we got caught in traffic and they mm. took off and I don't know where they've gone. Yeah. And like stuff like that. And then it's, it's hard for him to go, oh. Yeah. Is this worth finding this dude for? For sure. He could show up and his mate could show up in five fucking minutes. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah I'll make sure I stick with them next time. Or <laughs> Clearly sure profiling isn't a big thing for the police here because <laughs> you're rolling around on a Harley and then I'm like, ah, we'll give you we'll just yeah, well, they probably you probably want to see where you're going. Yeah, they're true. probably like, what's this guy up to? Yeah, they probably just been tailing you the whole time. <laughs> yeah, man, I just got fucked. You did. I just got royally fucked. It's my own doing. Oh, but Scott's it's like fun with the police. Strap in, guys. This is going to be good. Uh, double demerit time. Nah. So what happened was, like, I can't. I can think of about three times that I've had like a speeding fine or like I did an illegal U-turn down here and got done. I can't remember having points taken off me much at all, but I had a few parking fines and stuff and they'd all gone to fines enforcement. So I'd gone and just done a time to pay arrangement on fines enforcement and was making the payments, but my credit card expired. <coughs> so I needed to switch it and um, obviously f forgot to fucking do it with the fines enforcement. And I went out the other week and my license is, my, like, turns out my license expired in like April. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I need to get that sorted. 
So I went on the site and it goes, oh, your license is under fine suspension. I was like, fuck. So I logged on to the thing and went like, time to pay. And they were like, no, you broke the arrangement. So there's nothing you can do. I was like, shit. So I pay a thousand bucks in like old ass fines. But what people don't know is that you don't lose points until the fine is paid. So if mm. it's on, if, if you get like, if you only have a certain amount of points left and you get a fine that takes you over, you just let it go to fines enforcement. And then you just pay it off. Make sure you don't pay it off until it comes yeah. through. So I've just cleared my thing. And then I call the licensing department. I'm like, yep, can I do my license? And he goes, oh, you need to get a new photo <laughs> because it's like an old old license. I was like, all right, cool. And he goes, oh, actually, yeah, your license is suspended. <laughs> and I was like, what for? And he goes, too many points. And I was like, how many points? For you? He goes, 14. It's only 12. And I was like, that seems wrong. And he goes, yeah, it went over for, because of two fines from 2019. And I was like, oh, shit, because they, num- points have just come off now. Yeah. And I said, oh. oh, cool, can I do that double or nothing, whatever it is? Yeah. And he goes, nah, it's like too long gone. <laughs> so so like, now you don't have a license. So three months, I can't drive. But then do you get all your points back? Yeah. Oh, that's all right then. Yeah, but I mean, it's like not. I literally never get fines. That's just an accumulation of all of the ones that just happen to not have been paid. The funny thing is, is if you paid the fine in 2019, you would have got the points back by now that you would have lost back then. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't have the capacity to organize my financial situation in that way. I've always got the money to do it, but I'm like, uh. So now you're a male artist. Riding around on a scooter to come do your podcast. I don't, my, scooter's, lost, my scooter's not who, even running. Who's anymore. lost their license? Yeah, life's going well. To move to Life Fitz, is going move, well. Move to Fitzroy. <laughs> <laughs> I only get a fixie. You go back to Frio. Like you can walk from where you're at, I suppose. Yeah, I've got a few theories on it. I think I'm gonna. I'll save that one for the Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) Just bear in mind that if, uh, for whatever reason, if you were to drive unlicensed, you're also not insured. So, yeah, just FYI. We'll drive a shitbox and then you're sweet. Yeah, and just don't crash in anyone else. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough not because you'll need. You know what? You fucking well for me. Like I'd be absolutely screwed. Uh So like a while back, I went when I went to Europe last year. I fucking left my car with Candace because I was like, needed to get to the airport and leaving it in long term was going to be a fucking nightmare. So I just said, I'll just leave my car at yours and then I can fucking just get an Uber from hers because it's like um, where she lives is like real secure. I said, I'll just leave you my keys if you need to fucking drive anywhere or whatever. So I get a bunch of fucking fines and like she's got them in double demerit time and fucking all sorts. So it goes straight to fucking over the amount of points. I've gone, well, I'm not, wasn't driving. So I went and seen her. Can you sign these? Go to Midland Cop Shop and they're like, yeah, you need to prove that you weren't in the country. You need to prove you weren't driving. I said, driving? I wasn't even in the fucking country. <laughs> and I like pulled my passport out and they went through it and the guy was so off it. <laughs> like he was like, I could just tell he was sitting there just like hating to have to approve it. And I had my license back in a couple of days and then they would have reissued the fines and sent them to her. I did that with my sister's car. I borrowed it when I was like in my 20s and she was like, oh yeah, I've got like all these fines from when you had the car. And I was like, well, what do we do? She goes, oh, we'll go down to the the Perth back then you had to go into the city to see to view the photo and they take you into a room and they literally bring the photo out oh yeah and uh they bring the photo out and it is like 
insanely clear that it's me. Like it's like perfectly in focus and I'm singing. <laughs> and my sister, me and my sister look at it. We start laughing and then the guy looks at me and I was like, that's not me. <laughs> and he was livid. Like he was personally upset with me. I was like, he's like, it is you. You're, are you lying to, are you lying to police? I was like, dude, come now. Well, well, you know how on fucking freeways it's front on. Every cunt on bikes, like, and like most people put fucking heaps of people put tape on their number plates anyway. And so, like, if you fucking know it's a front of one, who gives a fuck? Yeah, I remember and, the cover of the paper years ago. There was dudes well, doing like full wheelies. Yeah. So then the theory, the thing that they've, they've been doing now is putting it on local police things. Do you know this person or this bike? Trying to get people to snitch on each other. Mm. Fucking cunts. Yeah, someone said it the other day because we were like flew down the freeway. I reckon we're probably doing one fucking 40, 150 or something. And we're definitely cruising, and it's one right in front of us, and everyone's like, "Fucking flips the camera off." That's <laughs> fucking. Sick. It's fucking a lot of people riding, you know. I like, can't do it, man. I get such anxiety now. Like I used to be a full hoon back yeah. in the day. Like mm. I've spoken about many incidences on this podcast where I've been a complete prick on the road. I did a skid the other night in the M4. Mm. And I got home and I was like fucking almost disabled with anxiety. I wonder, you might be caught on CCTV. Or on a ring camera <laughs> yeah. or some shit and there's going to be cops come mm. knocking at my door. I was like, man, it's just not worth it these oh, when, days. It's funny because we like try and ride like pretty safely. But as soon as you're on the freeway, you don't even realize when you got mm. bikes that fast. And like you, when, you, when you see people like when you'll be driving – People go past on road bikes. They're like, whoa, and you're like, holy <laughs> fuck. Like, those things go so fucking fast. And it's like, went out on a few like, rides and stuff, and people on, on road bikes, you don't even hear them come up. Mm -mm. And then it's like, by that stage, they're like, whoa, past you. And you're like, fucking hell. And like, Harley's like, they're not really meant to be fast. You're just meant to fucking cruise. If you're cruising on the fucking thing it's pretty easy to end up 110 120 130 like without even realizing it's like i do that in my car like i'll be on the freeway I'm like fuck i'm doing 120 i don't mm, even realize yeah, it's super easy to do <clears throat> okay how how far off do you reckon we are from having like registration chips in, the, mm. in your vehicle Dude. where they'll just be like because in the uk it's so hard to speed because mm. they've got those cameras on the motorway. It's everywhere, right? Yeah. They've got it here now as well, Major right? Distance. Yeah. yeah. I've never heard of anyone getting done by one though. Yeah. I've just heard. Ollie did, I think. Down, yeah. going down south. Yeah. And they they track your it's average like just speed. before Kwarama. Yeah. They ping you here and they ping you down there. You can get done. But man, I'd like to your point around like electronic interventions. I don't reckon it's that far away. Hey. No. They did it in Japan. Uh, it's been for a long time. All cars are limited to 180. So, I mean, that's very high, yeah. but. We got them over here, and you put a f fuel cut defender in it, and you can turn it off. But I wouldn't be surprised if it came in, you know, like one thirty, locked out, and you can't change it unless you like fuck with the tune or and your warranty's fucked, you know. Yeah, I reckon they'll probably do it. Will more so they'll just be like, if we do this, you know, like if they brought, you know, we used to have the stickers. If they brought in a thing where it was like a toll, you know, like a toll pass or something, and that just had to be in your car, mm. they'll just ping you with fines and get the money. Mm. I don't think they care that you're speeding. It's not a public safety thing. Because if it was, they wouldn't make those yeah. things fucking flash and everyone nearly die when it happens. 
Because I see you go along, you see it flash, and everyone you just see people's brake <laughs> lights go. It's like it's too late, bro. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fully every every fucking time. <laughs> What's up, everyone? We have uh, made some changes to the Patreon, so every week now there's going to be two episodes. One will be on Spotify and YouTube, and the other one will be on Patreon. So jump over there and give us a follow. It's only five dollars a month. Uh, it gives us a little bit of more of an opportunity to speak more openly and not have to worry too much about like youtube censorship and stuff like that so from now on every tuesday there's going to be one hour episode on youtube spotify and another hour episode on patreon so if you're down with the podcast and you've enjoyed the nearly 100 episodes that we've done please head over there and give us a follow because it really helps for us to be able to basically reinvest into the podcast thank you Hey guys, do you need labor? (laughs) Aldo and Dylan, the minds behind Bicep, are not only avid fans of our podcast, but also operators of Cyclist Event Construction and Crewing, the powerhouse behind the construction of countless festivals, concerts, and events here in WA. During the challenging times of COVID, Aldo and Dylan launched Bicep Labor as a way to keep their highly skilled and devoted team employed. Um, what started is basically just a solution is now involved in becoming Australia's most beloved on-demand team, bringing the fast pace and unwavering work ethic of their event crew to the warehousing, supply chain, building and construction industries. I love unwavering work ethic. It's a great <laughs> it's word, eh? It's my favorite type of work ethic. We, we need some unwavering work <laughs> in this podcast. Biceps extending a special offer exclusively for Club Good Podcast listeners. You can now enjoy a 10% discount on an entire month's worth of labor requirements. Just head over to bicepslabor.com forward slash podcast to take advantage of this deal. Help them help us to help you. I've noticed that they've started putting them at lot, traffic lights way more. There's cameras mm-hmm. fucking everywhere now. Mm-hmm. And I just won't even... When it even goes orange, I just break. Because mm-hmm. if you're fucking halfway through and it goes red, it's going to fucking flash you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, gone to the days where you just, like, if you're in Melbourne and they had them at every fucking set of lights, like in the city, every cunt would be getting flashed because the hook turns. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, of the hook turn, you fucking, yeah. you go when it goes pretty much red because mm. you're waiting kind of for that fucking lot of cars to go across that way. It's, fucking, it's so much better in the States because you can turn left, you can turn left on a red light. Mm. So everything's a giveaway sign, and it just makes so much sense. Yeah, but then they have four-way stop signs, which don't make sense. Mm. It's just like who's the alpha? <laughs> yeah. Who's got the bigger truck? Who's going to go faster <laughs> <laughs> around the corner? How'd your um? You got the shirt on. How'd your toy run go this year? Big. Yeah, yeah. it was like um to do to do something like that because we did the toy thing anyway, like. But the backstory to it is we used to have someone that worked at DCP getting tattooed and she told us a few stories just kind of about kids going and going without Christmas time so forth. And we were kind of like, oh, well, we could just post on socials and we'll donate some stuff and so forth. So then that first year it started piling up and then we're like, okay, we'll continue this. But this year, the first year it all went to DCP. Second year, we were like, oh, well, we've got to reach out to bigger bigger people and bigger places and so forth. So we just went to a bunch of shelters and youth centres and stuff in, in that Scarborough, Joonlup kind of area. Then the next year <clears throat> there was a bit of a COVID, uh, not a COVID, well, it was the time of 2020 when the COVID thing happened, but we were kind of back to normal after like June-ish, but there was a real crypto boom. 
So like I made a like a big amount of money off certain things and like obviously shifted all my stuff around so it's a better play for the future. But a few people I know pulled big money out and they were pulling big money out and they needed to donate some money to charities and so forth. So there was a few big cash donations of that year. So we ended up with a big amount of stuff. And then um, I was kind of like last year, I was like, well, we're limited with how much we can do. I'll, I'll plan for something bigger for the next year. And then when I did the Harley um, TV or whatever YouTube fucking series they have, um, and they came out, I was like, maybe I'll do a toy run for this and then I'll get Harley on board. So Harley on, Harley Australia straight away donated a thousand like for a raffle. Um, Highway Harley, which is now Harley Heaven in Midvale, they donated like six kids' bikes, about a thousand dollars worth of 99 bike vouchers, um, some bigger fucking construction companies donated money. We put up some money. 180 bikes turned up with 25 bucks each, donations, shirts sold. So we raised about eight grand. Man. And all 8,000 was spent too. Mm. So like went from everywhere from Starlight Foundation first to a place called Lucy Saw. Um, there's a Sterling Women's Shelter. Um, there's a place called Patricia, Patricia Giles, which is in um, uh, Marawa um, and, a, and a handful of others. So we ended up... There, it was cool because we go to the Sterling one, and I was like, "What do you really need?" And they're like, "Oh, well, kids have asked for bikes and stuff this year." So well, I got bikes, mm. you know, like, and when you can facilitate the needs of what they actually want and thing, you're gonna make some kid that's in a very hard, hard situation for them. Because I have a child that's very lucky. We have a very good co-parenting relationship, me and her, her mum, and and so forth. So we've always made sure that like our Christmases, although they're broken up between my, with me or with her, we've always made it seem like that's just, that's the way things are. But these kids are waking up in, whether it be a hospital with the starlight kids to kids that are in women's shelters or the, there's even um, some young kids that are like 15, 16, 17 that have, that are in like places like the Perth inner city youth I can't remember youth services place. Um, they're like 15, 16, 17 year old kids with kids, with babies. So we donate a lot of baby stuff to them, like strollers and walkers and stuff like that. So we genuinely had everything from um, babies to teenagers. So, and it's just, it's a rewarding thing because it's like, well, what is it really like? What's the effort that it, does like it doesn't take a whole lot of effort to use your social media to get a couple hundred bikes out made a flyer like i did with a band it was like booking a gig mm. i just got like highway harley behind it like perth harley behind it harley australia some businesses some like people were donating like vouchers and all sorts i put on a good raffle um and people genuinely had a good day like we left thing we kind of got like it's hard because you go down places where there's a lot of lights and stuff so you get kind of like split up pretty easily because if you've got 200 bikes you end up in end up in probably packs of like 50 each which is still fucking psycho mm. but when you like lead lead out fucking nearly 200 bikes it's pretty cool to think that 
like it's kind of like a little bit rewarding, like being in a band. Play yeah. that show and fucking two hundred cunts come to a show. You're like, oh, we did this, made this happen. Yeah, we made this happen. And for the same thing, it's like, well, we've gone from people dropping shit under a Christmas tree to then that, like people showing up with like teddies on their bikes and people even just showing up just to say like, like thanks for like people from different shelters and so forth coming just down to see bikes, see people and just to say hello kind of thing and say thanks. And then even like yesterday I got a letter from the Sterling Council saying thank you. And it's not even about the thanks or anything because at the end of the day it's about people on the day you dropping stuff off and being so appreciative of it. And my mum was with me at the time because she was here from Adelaide. So to have these people saying that, I'm doing a good thing and stuff to my mum's also a pretty cool thing, you know? Mm. Like my mum's like, oh, he's not that tattooed fucking dickhead that owns a bunch of, just owns a bunch of tattoo shops and is Kennedy's dad kind of thing. She's like, he's actually doing stuff to like help other people that are less fortunate. And when you've had people you know in domestic violence situations, whether it be people that worked for me, whether it be um, friends and, and so forth, it's very similar similar stories where they feel like kind of like no one cares and no one's gonna no one's gonna be there to help them. So these places are the only places they can turn to. Like we had an artist a few years ago, she was going through it and she one didn't want to tell us because obviously tell us it's gonna have ramifications. So she didn't want to tell us what was going on. You're in a shop full of also like very alpha dudes as well. They're gonna fucking mm show up if need be and so she took herself or the the um how she ended up at um at, uh lucy saw which is in in uh down near rockingham and who we've created a real good relationship with um and they looked after her so well to the point they paid for her to fly back to where she was from to make sure she was safe from her previous partner um it's crazy that that shit it's so common man everyone everyone knows someone that's that's suffered through that and it is like it's so insane it sounds like a fucking movie like like a like a stalker movie or something well when we were getting photos out the front me and um and the lady that's the ceo of the place um she's like you've got to crop it because they can't see what's in the background so it was even to the point of that. Like mm. it's like these things are in the background. They'll work out where this is. Mm. And it's even rare for them to let you go there. Let me go in, like mm. come in and um, and it's all very similar people to as it was last year and the year before and so forth. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's a very eye-opening thing to think that there's all these kids there that they're not going to be in their house for Christmas and what was their home or, or their life is no longer the same. So it's like the small, it's such a small gesture on our, our behalf, but also brings me such massive, I know it's, it's such a warm feeling to know you're actually helping someone. You can go online and you can talk the talk and fucking whatever, but when you're physically dropping everything off and you're shopping for kids bikes and so forth it's even got to the point where i'll go to like warwick or joondalup or whatever and the women at kmart now know what i'm there doing Mm. they're like oh you were here last year buying stuff for these places and they're like oh it's cool you're still doing it well i'll continue to do it if people are gonna and and now now it's like with the toy run it's like you've got a foundation 
if you can get 200 bikes just off social media in the first year, what can you do on a second year when you plan further out? And then I've also spoken to Harley as like, next year we're going to raffle a bike. Like we're going to start middle of this year. We have tickets for the run. The run's going to be announced middle of the year so people know by the time december comes around that run's going to happen and then i also had um people from harley um harley heaven sydney message me and they're like do you want to come to sydney and do it here so it's like the possibilities of it being a thing where it can be held over various weekends in whether here sydney melbourne and so forth i said well let's try and do sydney as well this year I'll fly out there. Harley can give me a bike for the day. We'll do what we got to do and fucking bring people together, do a good ride, raise some money, get them behind it as a major sponsor as well, which they they were happy to come on board at very last minute too because we were like, fucking, here's a date. This is happening. Moved it from Hillary's as a stop to Highway Harley or Harley Heaven now. And then they were like, we're going to donate all these bikes and so forth. And that was off of just us going in there and thing. Now we have a better, like we have a better relationship with all these people, people over East, people at Harley Australia itself and so forth. They'll, they'll come on board more. And that's, that's just building a, a foundation and friendship where they, they can trust in what we're going to do to not only, um, uh, put on a good event, but it also brings, I guess some joy as well to all the people that are involved because you're you're doing something out of the goodness of your heart. You're not doing it out of fucking pats on the back or anything because it's cool to see these letters that say thank you and I do massively appreciate it. But even if someone didn't say a fucking thing, I'd still the, dropping the stuff off is enough for me to continue to drop stuff off. Do you reckon you would have been like aware that that of the scale of that community? No. No, I don't think so. I think when the 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 girl from DCP years ago was getting tattooed and she was saying how bad it was, I, I became like pretty like when you're looking at your own kid and you're like, well, I've just got to go to America and I've got to go do all these things with my child. And I was fucking seven, seven, eight years ago or whatever, I was fucking struggling. I wouldn't have been able to buy a shit for Christmas. Living on my mate's couches, didn't have any of the business side failing fucking band um broken up with a fucking the mother with the mother of my child trying to balance that as well and not let that get to some toxic situation because you've still got to be in each other's lives and co-parent and that's that's the the big thing where people go they they split up and there's so much animosity and and as you have known over the years I've I've never had that animosity for Candace because she brought that the best thing in my life to me you know like she came home she'd given birth to like she'd gone through the labor she'd held this child gone through all the stuff and she's brought home this joy for like well depends until she's 11 (laughs) but this this thing that's just this little person that just changed my entire life changed my attitude changed my arrogance and everything so it's like when I look at mine and her relationship, 
I can also see though from other people and dating and so forth that not everyone's story is the same. Everyone's co-parenting relationships will never be the same because whether there's animosity or whether there's been cheating or whether there's been domestic violence or so forth could also dictate what's going to happen as far as them, the co-parenting situations. And I see a lot of people where there's a lot of, um, I, 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 Richie Hardcore posted on Instagram or something. It was a, maybe the day after Christmas or something. It's good to see so many fathers spending time with their kids and stuff like that. And I said, and like I looked at it, and I was like, it's true though, because a lot of fucking dads won't. They won't put in that effort. They they do the fucking very bare minimum, and they think that's enough. And it's it's just simply not because you're such a role model to this little person that the way you treat their mother or the way the mother treats you and so forth, it can have the ultimate effect on changing that kid's life. So for me, Kennedy sees the way I am with, with Candace and vice versa. And she's like, obviously knows she's in a real good place, real good situation, co-parenting and so forth. But some of these kids are growing up with their, their mothers or fathers, depending, um, in such toxic co-parenting environments or not even that in relationship environments where there'd be such a toxic bond that they continually draw back to each other regardless if there is violence or not because some people get to these points in life where they think that's all that's all maybe they deserve or that's all they know and maybe their family was like that previous if you're a female or a male or whatever and you grew up and your father was um assaulting your mother or or whatnot you probably think that's normal and when you look at people's stories and nowadays you can hear people's stories on on social media more and podcasts and so forth it's like a lot of times when people who are criminals or so forth sometimes their kids end up doing the same shit they end up in jail and like the same goes for fucking violence it's like the the boys see it in in their childhood and then they grow up and 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 it's a it's just a uh, a pattern that never changes you're never even aware of it either yeah. like i argue in relationships when i argue i argue it, it it occurred to me like pretty deep into my last relationship when you know you have your times people argue but i argued the same way my mom and dad did mm, yeah and it was like i did, I was doing therapy or something and they were like i'll oh, t- talk about your childhood and i was like eh, it's, it was fine you know and then as as i was talking about it i was like fuck that's exactly even though they try and hide it, like you'd hear it, you know what I mean. Mm. So it was like elevated volume, and you know it was all—it was always like pretty intense to mm. some degree. Yeah. Um. But that's—it's not even a choice mm. until you realize it and you can make those changes. You know what I mean? So it's like I think people growing up in those toxic environments, like it just becomes their reality. Yeah. And especially with things that you don't utilize all the time, like mm. the way you respond to to pressure and the way that you respond to like arguments things like that it's definitely like a pre-built-in thing yeah and i I think that i'm very one one of those people that i used to be like i'd click and then everything was needed to be a fight like not not even in a relationship not in a relationship sense more so like say if you said something to me at a fucking show or whatever i'd be like let's fucking fight then nowadays i'm like not worth wasting my time on energy to be aggressive to some, anyone and so forth. So even when it comes to like if there's a bit of bickering in a relationship or whatnot, I just shut down. I'm, I'm a very shut down kind of person because I'm like, 
Well, right now, no one's going to win this, whatever this argument may be. But for some people, though, like when you look at it on a big scale, it's like some people have a lot of other things, contributing factors, like whether it be systemic of their childhood and they, they've they seen, the like you said, you've seen when you were, were arguing and so forth. But if they've seen that when they were a kid and they've seen like proper physical abuse and maybe the drugs and the alcohol and so forth, which is like a massive problem in certain lower, well, not even lower, but like in certain areas and so forth, it's probably worse, which probably would mean the domestic violence and so forth is worse in those areas as well. Um, and you, cause you look at, look at certain people and you only have to walk around the fucking cities and so forth. You see like couples and stuff like screaming at each other left, right and center. And it's like recently, um, there was this couple in June, like yelling at each other. And I was like, Hey, chill out. Like what's going on? Like kind of trying to, they were out in front of the tattoo shop and I just tried to calm them down because they were just screaming at each other and so forth. Well, what happened? They just turned on me. Mm, yeah. They just start screaming Common at me. Enemy. And I'm just like, Oh, did I'm you like, learn I'm nothing just, growing I'm just, up? I'm just going to go inside. Like, I'm like, I just didn't want people arguing in front of the shop. You got customers <laughs> getting awkward and so forth. I'm like, just chill. Like, can you, if you're going to, if you're going to have a, go at each other and fucking like argue it out around the corner, not in front of my tattoo shop yeah. where like there's customers trying to get their kids a fucking haircut. But I yeah, just try like be polite, so forth. Well, that didn't work. So <laughs> well, it's like, like figure oh, it I'm out. I'm going to go back inside, guys. I'll do, <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not here to be a fucking referee, you know? Like That's the sad thing, man. I think like because you get older and you, you do get wiser, I think your brain actually just fucking matures whether you really want it to or not. Mm. So those stupid responses like arguing in public or mm. I think arguing in general, like, because as you said, you realize that like, there is no, you're not receiving anything when you're no. arguing. You both just shut down and you just bark at each other. Yeah. So it's like, you need to just be like, well, that when it starts going that way, you need to find an off ramp and a way to figure out your shit. Mm. And you see people, especially when they have kids and stuff, it's probably more pressure, obviously. Mm. But to be doing that, it's like, come on, man, you must know that this is a fucking terrible way yeah. to do it. And if you can't control that, then like as a, as a couple, what are you doing? But some people love it. Some people that are out there love confrontation. They love nothing more than conflict. And as long as they get the last word in, they'll feel like they're victorious, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's where like for me, no one wins the – well, I always say no one wins an idiot contest because you're both being fucking idiots by arguing. You both not no one's going to win, and it's probably if you give it a good hour or twenty minutes or whatever, you probably come back to the same conversation and be completely different. So it's like you're going to have to do that anyway. Yeah, yeah, fully. Yeah, so I think people are too quick to bark and then not quick enough to rationalise. And then yeah, it's it's a it's such a tricky situation because I feel like. As as time's gone on, um, I think, and I don't know because I've never been involved in any form of domestic violence or so forth, even with my parents. They had a very good marriage and I grew up very lucky that my parents were married from my dad and my mum got together when my mum was 16. She had a baby early. They travelled Australia. My dad played golf. Like I grew up on golf courses at the beach. Like I didn't have a tough life. But there were kids that lived across town from me who, and I don't know if I, I, told, I might have told this story before, but me and there was a kid called Alan Ryan. Alan was in the same class as me. We had the same, same teachers. We had different parents in the same town. 
his parents were heroin addicts and they'd come to the skateboard the skateboard park to try and steal bikes the kids and so forth we're punching on with them left right and center and then monday we're at school back in class together so then i remember the old man would come to school and try and fight teachers and it was like shambles well, his family was obviously probably in a very domestic violence situation because we could hear them screaming at each other in the car um, from the skate park because they lived across from the road from the skate park. Years and years ago, my mum calls me and she's like, oh, they found Alan Ryan dead. And I was like, well, it doesn't surprise me, you know? Like it's like fucking these things. His old man had died of a heroin overdose. His mum died of a heroin overdose over the years and so forth. Well, his scenario was different because they had an argument. It was obviously a junkie as well, followed the same path. His housemate and him argued over Xanax. His housemate killed him, cut him up, put him in the bin, put him out on on the bin day and hoped that, that he would never be – you'd look it up. Like it's Jesus fucking fuck. – Yeah, so they just – then we got given the same fucking things. Difference was is I had good parents. It's foundational. Yeah, and it's – it's it's yeah, like the systemic thing of the, the, the problems of – he's watched his parents shoot up in the lounge room from a very young age. So the – stigma of like for you for me whatever shooting up and shit oh fuck that you know like that's gross but for them they're like oh my fucking dad does that on a fucking monday mm. like it's normal you know so when i looked at back at stuff like that in in my life it's like we we're given the exact same town the same beaches the same fucking skate park to go skate at and so forth but we we're just given a different place to go home to and one was loving and caring and there for my parents and my um, friends, parents, and so forth were there for fucking all of us when we were younger, especially when we were trying to do bands and stuff. Um, but then these kids, well, their parents' money went first to probably drugs and second to food and so forth. And it's, it's a hard, harsh reality, but that's the fucking reality. And it's like when you – and like in a fucking full thing to like kind of bring everything back, when you go – and hand over a, a toy or whatever to maybe one of the the kids that maybe have had that kind of life, well, there might be that Christmas day that they were never going to get something and you might give them that fucking skateboard that they'll go down the skate park and fucking go, I'm going to be a skateboarder yeah. and skate. Or you give them a football or basketball or soccer ball. Like we try and do very – like a, a lot of sporting equipment – boogie boards, stuff like that, because it gives them activities to do. Like you can't – every kid nowadays, if you went in and went and gave every kid a fucking iPad, you're just creating what every other kid is. It's just an iPad zombie, and which is very the case. Kids are fucking all over roadblocks and all these other things. But if you can give that one kid something and change their Christmas, and it's like when, when I read that letter the other day, it said you're going to make a lot of kids very happy, and that's like – at the end of the day, that's all it's all about because you wake up on Christmas morning and you see your own kid happy, you see the joy that it brings them and you see them opening presents and being so surprised about what they're getting. These kids are going to have that, hopefully have had that feeling as well and they got a bunch of stuff they never expected to get because their situation was so much different. Mm. So it's like hopefully those, um, hopefully those kids – yeah, just have had a good Christmas and next year's only going to be bigger. Which Yeah, and it's great that you might be able to unlock a passion in them, like you were saying, whether it be, you know, footy or skateboarding or something, something that they can really, like, drill down into and focus on, take them out of the shitty situation that they are in. Yeah, because you look at them, we're talking to the ladies at Starlight. So Starlight not only 
handles the stuff for Christmas. They utilize their donations over a Christmas period for the entire year, mm. so kids' birthdays and mm. so forth. And there's nothing worse than being in hospital. I spent a long time in hospital myself with asthma and um, stuff as a kid. So, like, getting stuff on Christmas and so forth was from stuff. Like, not only your family and so forth would bring bring your presents and whatever, but Starlight would always, or South Australia's Virgin, or whoever it was back when I was a kid, I was too young to remember. But they utilise stuff over an entire year. So they say, like, that's their time to get donations. Not, not much gets donated throughout the year. So they need to, like... Do and they do, it's not up. like they're campaigning or fucking anything. They they probably do a a lot more like charity stuff over the years and get public like donations and so forth. But when you're giving toys, like I always think if you're giving money, you can that can be used for admin fees. It can be used for the fucking all these other things. If mm -hmm. you're giving toys, it's got to go directly yep. to a child, and and that's why also we give like gift packs and and stuff for women in these situations and families and and so forth so it's something directly in the hand that they're getting giving money's a, for me giving money was always a cop out like if i show up and i've got a big fucking check and i'm like oh mm -hmm. like dickhead photo that's fuck all it's a bit of numbers written on a page but when you're posting and looking and putting toys into a van and you're like fuck i've done five loads of toys to kmart right now like you know what kmart's like christmas time mm. it's a fucking nightmare but when you're doing that like i was getting up at fucking six in the morning i was at kmart by fucking eight in the morning and i was some nights i was still going there at like eight or nine at night like the shops were just covered in fucking shit like it was just toys piled up everywhere i couldn't even organize them good enough to like take good photos and then it, we ended up it was like uh three and a half van loads of toys so and we just we we had um a couple of online donations real late too so we've got still got um about twelve hundred dollars to spend which is gonna go monday i'm gonna go shop for a place called the parkerville youth services or something it's like a another youth center and they think um they have a a lot of uh, aboriginal kids and so forth up in the hills and so we're gonna go donate a bunch of stuff to them as well so it's not just about christmas it's you're helping these places throughout the year because some stuff will go on christmas some stuff will go to birthdays and mm. some stuff will just go to kids because they're being fucking legends yeah yeah you set up a network and like you're seeing the way that that can work mm. i think it's man it's it's amazing like i think honestly i think it's such a such a fucking great thing yeah like, we're actually just going to do a switch because we're doing patreon now okay um so and i just need to check that battery camera so yeah. stretch do whatever okay. you need to do and for everyone listening go over to the patreon and it's going to be a full other episode on there peace Lovegoodpodcast.com. Lovegoodpodcast.com. Lovegoodpodcast.com.